and welcome to the Punks and Pubs podcast. My name is Liam Bird, and let's not fuck around this episode. Uh, last episode, I teased uh, that I would be making a big announcement. If you follow the podcast on the socials at Punks and Pubs, you would have seen that I posted about this already. But let's do it now. Punks and Pubs will be performing its first ever live shows at this year's Manchester Punk Festival. Uh, the festival kicks off over the Easter weekend. It starts on Friday, April the 19th till Sunday the 21st with over 100 different punk bands, comedians, poets playing out over eight venues across Manchester. It's getting close to selling out with over 90% of the tickets gone. So if you fancy a jolly up to Manchester, then visit manchesterpunkfestival.co.uk and grab a ticket and come along to the first ever punks in pub show and say hello so these shows uh, i will be doing two live interviews at a venue called the font in manchester on the saturday of the festival weekend that's saturday the 20th of april i'll be at the font stage at 1 p.m on the saturday with my first guest uh, to be announced because the person who i booked unfortunately can't do it now then i'll be heading back to the font at 3 20 p.m talking to my second guest joe tillerson some of you might know joe as the bassist and vocalist of a uk ska band random hand he's also now going at it alone as a solo artist so we'll talk about that and he's also the founder of merch store a t-shirt printing company whereabouts actually we got our punks in pubs t-shirts printed um through him uh, you can buy by the way those punks in pubs t-shirt by going to etsy and searching punks in pubs uh podcast just a little plug there uh, so come along uh, good times will be had and well that's not a guarantee so if you don't have fun though at least the font is offering a 25% off food for every Manchester Punk Festival wristband holder all weekend so at least you'll have some cheap food in your belly with Manchester Punk Festival in mind I thought it'd be fun to head up to Manchester a little early and go and speak to one of the co-organizers and co-creators of the festival Andy Davies so some of you might know Andy from his UK punk band Revenge of the Psychotronic Man which we do talk about or some of you might also know him as one half of the team behind TNS Records we also talk about that but predominantly this chat is all about MPF so what do we talk about well we talk about the art of selling tickets uh, because let's face it, you don't have a festival unless you're selling tickets. I asked Andy about how he takes criticism uh, on social media when you post uh, your headliners or acts. And Andy also talks about learning from past mistakes as well as sticking to his punk rock ethics as the festival has got bigger and bigger over the five years. I also asked Andy a cheeky question about his uh, about his thoughts on his punk rock festival competitors, Rebellion and Slam Dunk. As well as Andy also explains how another festival called Strummer Camp was his inspiration for Manchester Punk Festival. If it wasn't for that, uh, Andy st- states that MPF would not have been a thing. We also talk about uh, Dead to Me having to pull out of this year's festival, as well as Andy introducing a comedy stage last year and that carrying on this year. And of course, we talk about Punks and Pubs, as well as other podcasts finding its place at this year's festival. We start the podcast talking about random 90s footballers and uh, Andy proclaims his love for the punk rock Manchester football club that is FC United. After the interview, as always, your band plays out the show and playing us out this week is a band from Liverpool and they're called Seas of Neptune. Stick around for them. But before that, there's this. Episode 35 of Andy Davies, one of the co-creators of Manchester Punk Festival. I will be talking to you after this chat. Enjoy. 
Piccadilly Tap. Let's plug where we are. And I am in Manchester, and in front of me is uh, Andy Davis. Is it Davis or Davids? It's technically Davies. My granddad was Welsh. Welsh. Yeah, but my, my dad always just says Davis, so I'll go with really <laughs> my... <laughs> And uh, I feel we should probably start by saying, like, happy birthday for literally everything. So you got, like, 10-year birthday for your record company, TNS. Is that correct? That was... I think it was last year that... Or, well, belated happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, five years for Manchester Punk Festival. Yeah. We're not that far out now before the festival because I just say we're recording this about 10 days. 10 days today. Yeah, yeah, 10 days before. How are you doing? Are you like coping? Are you fine? We've got beer, so that, that helps. Yeah, beer is always helping. <laughs> we're getting there, you know. There's loads of last-minute jobs. Um, do a shift and a few more tickets as well. We've got some left. Um, so we're just pushing it. We got um, a meeting straight after I finished here yeah. to just sort of finalise everything, make sure everything's in place. And we just got well, six of us in the collective, so we just got to chip away at our own jobs. And fingers crossed, it should be all right. <laughs> I just like to state we are in an upstairs room, and it's quite echoey. Just in case you're thinking, uh, are they in a cave? So when when that happens, when when you've got a few tickets left, is panic setting in, or is it like ah fuck it, whatever will be will be, we try our best. Uh, a bit of both, really. I think because last year we sold out well in advance, but we had the issue where there was. Um, a queue outside for a handful of bands um, and we didn't want a repeat of that so we increased the capacity yeah. and then we're at a point where we're not sure if that's going to translate into actually more people coming it's probably going to be a bit similar to last year but with more space so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if we've guessed right because we've got this extra venue which is a much bigger venue and yeah. there shouldn't be any queues for bands this time but um, hopefully it will still look as busy as well <laughs> hopefully we've got the balance right people who might not know how Manchester Punk Festival works we're going to talk more about the festival in a sec but it's scattered across the city of Manchester and people buy a ticket so I'm guessing they presume that they should be in that room no matter what and um, we put a lot of warnings on everything on the uh, programme posters up saying you've bought a ticket for a festival you haven't bought a ticket for a specific band and I think in general, most people get that, but yeah, you, you do get people saying, oh, well, I want to see that band and that's what I've bought a ticket for. Yeah. Um, but it's a minority and I think we do well at publicising that and it was always very, very important to us that it had a small gig feel. We didn't want a big room with bands playing one after the other. We wanted a series of small gigs all connected together because that's the background we've all come from. So yeah. we, you've got to get a balance, I guess, but that's what we want. We want, like packed small rooms but yeah I can understand why someone would be annoyed if they missed a band they want to see but we just put warnings everywhere saying you're not guaranteed to get in the room just make sure you get there early last year I think it was four bands there was queues for one of them propaganda obviously yeah there's quite significant queues but um I think it wasn't a massive issue but there was a, an issue for a couple of bands I mean, obviously, you've got, like, fire and safety and, and issues like that. And yeah, I'm course. guessing people must understand that, though. Like, if they can't get in, they can't get in. It's not because but, you're doing it because of me. And, like, well, I, I think with anything. the propaganda issue last year, there was, they were on at the same time as Iron Sheik, yeah. so that was full as well. 
I watched a few songs of Propaganda, and then I went to watch The Stupids, <laughs> and um, that was pretty full in a small venue. Funnily, Propaganda said the band they were most looking forward to was The Stupids, and they clashed with them. <laughs> Which is a- Did they just fuck off halfway through as well? They said, hey guys, cheers. <laughs> we're off to go and watch a different band. I, I wasn't there, so maybe. <laughs> but um, yeah, I went to see The Stupids, and it was pretty full in a 150-cat room, but there was people who couldn't get in Propaganda going to that, yeah. and they were just straight in the pit. So I think everyone was sort of okay and Sits and Fish were on at the same time as well and they had a relatively full room so yeah I mean Dick is always going to pull in a, a crowd yeah. and he's interesting um, so we're going to come back to MPF and um, TNS Records in a bit but I kind of want to ask you what is your obsession with Niall Quinn well <laughs> it's a very strange story as most of my stories are really <laughs> we were at 0161 Festival a few years ago we were playing and um, it was at Moston Miners Club and it's um, sort of a I guess a bit like a community venue and they had a, a free bookshop like it was just a big pile of books and I, I mate Colin just picked up Niall Quinn's autobiography and people just kept coming sitting next to him and he was reading bits <laughs> out of it so we all ended up reading it because it was genuinely quite funny <laughs> and we wrote a song about it so people who might not know who Niall Quinn is especially people who might hear this from America so Niall Quinn is a Republic of Ireland footballer who played for Man City, right? Sunderland, Sunderland, Arsenal, I think. Yeah, so he's a bit of an obscure 90s... Well, I want to say like obscure, but he's like, if you don't know football, like yeah. he, he's, he was in like your sticker book. Uh, if you yeah, used to collect he's a bit of a stuff. cult figure, isn't he? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, our obsession with him came from his book rather than any 90s sort of nostalgia. Well, I've seen through the, the, the fanzine that you do... 90s football particularly has like a soft spot in your oh, heart yeah. yeah definitely <laughs> and as a Forest fan I was very happy to see that you had um, Ian Wohan oh, yes. in your fantasy team <laughs> yeah so that, that was I was well up for that that was like that's quality oh yeah I, think I completely forgot about that that was amazing <laughs> <laughs> so, so what how did you, how did the idea of doing like a fantasy because I think football and punk are not seen because I think people see football still as quite a oi oi laddie laddie kind of thing yeah. where punk's not seen as that as much we've got a punk connection to football in Manchester because we've got FC United so yeah they're, they're playing the day after um, MPF finishes actually the oh, Monday really? <laughs> I'm going to see if I'm in any fit state to go because it'll be like our relegation party I think <laughs> I went to FC United it got rained off I went to go and watch FC United York for work and uh, it got completely pissed off in it. but it was amazing like I've never seen a club like really embrace the idea of everyone involved everyone can be part of it because you've got a stage in one of your stands yeah you've got some person making like vegetarian curries yeah it's, it's, it's an amazing club I, like, I cool. really, if I did, if wasn't a Forest fan I'd definitely I think well, I'd you see I'm not a United fan I, I didn't go for ages because I thought it was all United fans and some people there it is just they're like they're new United they've walked away because of the I guess the capitalist nature of football and yeah. the Glazers and they, they wanted to settle their club with the, the right ethics but I just knew a load of people who went and I'd always quite liked the idea of St. Pauli and stuff and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they were like if you don't like mainstream football anymore come along to this and I used to go staff at Rangers see because I'm from West Midlands originally oh, okay. yeah, yeah, so yeah. I used to go staff at Rangers when I was a kid so I always quite liked non-league football quite liked the atmosphere so yeah a few people who go UFC and were involved right from when it started just said why don't you just come along and give it a try yeah I went a couple of times and was just hooked it was ace <laughs> so where in the West Midlands are you, are you from then? Stafford Stafford I lived in Stafford and Stoke 
before I moved to Manchester. So I wouldn't presume Stafford and Stoke in the punk circuit of bands that would go. So how did you? How did how did punk find you then? Um, I started going to gigs when I was about fifteen, sixteen, and mainly used to go to Wolverhampton because a lot of big tours went through Wolverhampton. Yeah, I guess um, I just heard a lot of bands through people's older siblings and things like that, um, and then when we were about 17 18 we just started putting on gigs in the local pub and um a lot of grunge bands a lot of just straight up rock and metal bands but more and more punk bands as we got more into stuff like i guess we got the offspring green day mainstream punk thing when we were about 15 and then and then we got into fat wreck stuff from there and then eventually started finding like there were punk bands in birmingham who'd come and play stafford or wolverhampton and then when we all Start going uni and moving away. Obviously, we found more and more of it. So, yeah, and Stafford's got a, a, an all right punk scene again now because oh, okay, um, yeah. a lad that our drummer went to school with uh, set up a venue called Red Rum, um, which is ace. It's really good, and he yeah. gets all sorts of tours over there. So, was it through the friends then that you found like you, that you liked punk, or was even punk like your first musical? I think um, I was just into. It rock music to begin with I got into like Nirvana and stuff when I was at school and then Oasis and Blur happened and I was quite into that but then I heard Offspring and Green Day and those sort of bands and I found them more exciting when I was 14, 15 then I found a lot of the indie stuff I still I quite like the indie stuff still I don't dislike it but I don't think you can live in Manchester if you don't like it no I like Oasis you know actually I like Blur in fact, I don't know what I'm talking about. I love indie. <laughs> <laughs> I love all sorts of indie. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess as um, when I went to uni, I was I got more into all the fat wreck stuff, and then I started finding UK bands. It just snowballed from there, really. Then mm-hmm. when I moved to Manchester when I was 22, there was a much bigger punk scene and an ever-growing punk scene, I guess. Because I, I do think Manchester like has been at the forefront of what modern day punk is now because London is very I think it's hard for in London to really establish yourself because it is so much like you can find any single genre of music and five of those in a night where I think Manchester is a very much a musical city but in the scape of how massive London is I feel it's got more of a place and you can probably be seen more yeah I would agree with that I think from playing in Manchester and London you could play two different London gigs on the same on the same tour when we first started and it wouldn't um wouldn't necessarily affect the attendance you yeah. could play north and south london what this is 10 15 years ago and they'd, they'd both be relatively busy whereas if you have a gig clash in manchester it's not ideal at all really although that said one of the ideas setting up mpf was there was a lot of different sort of strands to the punk scene even in manchester that we kind of had the idea if you could get everyone all in one place you've got quite a big crowd here mm. Um, so I think there's perhaps not as much crossover at Manchester punk gigs, certainly not in the past as um, as there could have been. Yeah, um, but not as not as sparse as London though. With that in mind, then when this fell on like Easter weekend, Manchester Punk Festival fell on, is like Easter weekend. What, is that a worry or is that something you've embraced? Um, well, I I've been desperate for it to be Easter weekend. Oh, really? Because okay, of, yeah. of my work, because I'm a teacher, I can't book time off. Um, I've managed to blag a day off every year but it's yeah it's better for me being Easter weekend I think it has been a positive and a negative I think a lot of people 
don't have to book days off, so they're really happy that they can do three full days without having any time off work. And a day to hang over as well. Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Or go to SC United. (laughs) Um, And I think some people, it's cost them more in transport. They perhaps had other stuff that they couldn't really get out of. There seems to be a lot of people not coming because people are getting married and things like that. So I think it's, it's probably evened out. I thought it would be... To be honest, I probably naively thought it might have a positive impact because of people not having to book time off work, but I'm not sure. I mean, with the two Manchester clubs here as well, Easter weekend always being well known for having a lot of football on as well. That must, like, hotels and stuff must be an issue. Yeah, Yeah, I would say so. Um, I think you've always got that issue in Manchester, though, because um, hotels just seem to sell out ages in advance whenever people are coming here. A lot of us have got a lot of people sleeping on our floors. <laughs> I was going to say, the best thing I suppose is if, you ever, if you're coming here for the first time, make friends and then next year you've got a floor. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I, my house is tiny and I think I must have had like 12 people staying there last year. There's people <laughs> sleeping on the kitchen floor in roll mats. <laughs> what do you think for? Chickens truth in my heart About all the shit that I knew from the start So wasting away Right now I'm struggling The faith that I keep on my last piece of gold My DMA, it seems like a joke And everything comes crashing down high speed Cause every time I see a picture of a place we have been Then I start to back down in pieces again I know things will never be the same again Sleeping on people's floors because you were in a band called um, Revenge of the Psychotronic. Tronic? Psychotronic Man, yeah. That's, that's the one. So, weirdly, our paths have crossed because you did a Made of Ale session for yeah. my old boss, Mike, on, on Radio One Punk Rock Show. And I think at some point I must have facilitated either chatting with you to make sure the logistics was right or meeting you at Made of Ale. But I cannot remember for the life of me if that happened. I'm not sure either, to be honest. How was playing Made of Ale? Because I, I, I loved Made of Ale. For me, it was like a, a, a cathedral if you loved music. Yeah, it was pretty mind-blowing, really, because we were just a, a fast, shouty punk band. Mm. You never set out with the intention of doing anything like that, you know. And um, it was just such a, an amazing experience, really, when you looked at all the bands who played there. And I think that was amazing, really, that Radio 1 Punk Show was like supporting bands at our level really and there was yeah. I could name some other bands at our level who got to do it as well and then you see that there's much bigger bands doing it I think I think it's a real shame it's gone and I think it's a real shame made a veil you know the history of it it should have been used more shouldn't it yeah yeah definitely they were proper nice the people who did our session so there's a guy called Nick Fountain I don't know if you know him but don't. he um he was working on our session and we got on really well with him and he, he really liked it and um he passed he passed our album on to Steve Lamack and stuff, and then we got played on Six Music and stuff as well. So he was just... I, like, I haven't spoken to him for a couple of years now, but we were in touch with him for ages. I've always yeah. like, sent him new recordings and stuff. Wait, if he's listening. 
yeah. <laughs> get back in contact. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> yeah. um, so the band played like over 500 shows, yeah. and you, you went in Europe and UK and America, and you've only just recently called it quits. Yeah. I mean, how hard is that when you've been doing for some, something for so long and then go, actually, we, we, we can't do this no more? Is it like a relief or is it like with a heavy heart? It's both. But I think um, by the time we stopped, I knew I couldn't manage doing everything I was doing anymore. I yeah. was just knackered all the time. You'd go to work, get in a van Friday when you get in from work, gig Friday, Saturday get back, go to work, and then I was trying to do TNS and MPF at the same time. And it was just too much. But I didn't want to do the band half-arsed. Never wanted to be a band who played ten times a year. Yeah. So I think it was just... I knew it had to stop when it did stop, but because you've done it for so long and it's with really close mates, it's, it's hard to make that decision. I probably would have made it a year before if it wasn't with my, my best mates, you know. Yeah. But, but we went out in a really nice way because we announced it sort of nine months before we actually split up and then did a last run of like I think we did 40 more gigs so it was a really nice way to finish it when you started that band looking back was the intention to be just like a local gig band or was it to like let's, let's really go for it let's see what we can do it, it was to tour we wanted to tour because yeah. we'd never toured in our old band um, what was the old band? we were in this band called McGraw um, and then we all end up living in different places. Um, so we played everywhere that we were each at uni and stuff. But yeah. um, when we split that up, three people at McGraw were in Manchester. So the three of us started the new band. And it was just the idea was we tour um, and we just have fun. We never had any... In the old band, we'd sent demos to labels and stuff. We were like, not doing that. Just yeah. don't do that. Do it all ourselves. Just tour, meet new bands, put on our own gigs do some gig swaps get bands we like to play Manchester if they want to put us on where they live or if they don't even just like get decent bands up here try and build something where there's a bit of a community so that band started at the same time as TNS started actually I was going to say was 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 TNS did TNS come about because you were so frustrated with no one TNS came back really because when when I moved to Manchester I was expecting this amazing music scene all these famous venues and so many of the gigs were like promoters who'd say 30 tickets you give us three quid off every single one and we give you a pound back and then you'd go and play and it'd be an indie band a metal band or whatever and and that's sometimes nice but there didn't seem to be any community with it and you could just see this promoter skimming money on people and you just thought "What's what's the actual point in doing this we put on gigs in Stafford Stoke um, I, the singer at McGraw was at uni in Nottingham actually so we put on gigs in Nottingham and um, we were like just, let's just put on some gigs so we set up TNS fanzine as, and we thought that was an interesting way to promote a gig rather than just flyering some bands no one had heard of yeah the first gig ever was supposed to be McGraw but mm. we, we realised we couldn't do it and then it ended up being the first revenge gig because two bands pulled out on the, the day and we got half a set and we were like let's just do it let's see what happens <laughs> and that's how everything's gone ever since really. hey, just wing it until it happens the zine came first yeah it's the zine then the, the band night so how long was it until the label actually established well, itself we had a loose idea of starting a label quite early on but we just used to see, um, make CDRs and tape onto the front of fanzines or just give them out at the gigs it was only when we met Bev who I run TNS with um, that we started talking about a proper label um, yeah. Weirdly, the first revenge guitarist used to live with Bev, and he just said, "Oh, my mate or driver's on tour." So I met Bev through doing a revenge tour, nice. and then we got 
good mates and then set up TNS as a as a proper label. So why continue Zine then? Because I, I like Zines are something that. When I was growing up, I loved them. Like if, I, if wherever I can go to a record shop or a gig and they were there, I'll pick one up and I'll read it on the way home. Now, you don't see that many zines, but you see them like, online. For me, I'm still quite old-fashioned. Like, I buy a newspaper if I want to read. Yeah, I mean, I buy loads of zines. The reason we stopped doing it was just time, really. Yeah. It was just impossible to do everything. I've always said I'm going to start the zine again at some point. I don't know when. <laughs> but like, I guess... We tried to make the MPF program a bit like a zine, so I've spent ages on that this year, and it is a bit like a zine. It's got interviews in it and stuff, so it might happen again. We'll see. For people who might not know, TNS is called That's, was it? Uh, That's Not Skanking Records. Yeah. So with that in mind, with a good skank, for you, do you think it's in the legs or do you think it's in the arms? Well, <laughs> the reason it's called That's Not Skanking is because we are McGraw were playing a gig and one of the support bands was a ska band and the singer stopped the song part way through and pointed at some people in the crowd and said what's that dance that's not skanking <laughs> so I, I don't know I, love I know what skank, skanking isn't but yeah, yeah. Now, I reckon it's in the legs personally you think it's in the legs yeah I think your arms will go with your legs if you give enough kick won't they yeah yeah I, but I do feel like if you get a good arm cross yeah. I think it does, it does make it look a bit more serious. I love a good skank. Um, <laughs> something I've noticed this year, ska music has like got a, quite an established place in MPF. Yeah. Is that because like ska is such a huge passion of yours? Is, is that because you feel like there is actually a rise in ska music in the UK? I think there is a rise. I think um, when we started doing TNS, there was a big ska scene in Manchester. Mm-hmm. For me, ska, I, I liked the two-tone stuff. Yeah. I always loved like the beat and the specials and stuff. I, when I was a teenager, I liked the American Scar, but I got a bit bored of it. I liked stuff like Cap Down and stuff. I, th- I think with me, Scar, there's a lot of very generic Scar, but there's a lot of people who bring something really interesting to it. So I was always like into stuff like Beat Red Light when they brought metal into Scar and Harijan who were reforming for this year. They they sort of more reggae than Scar, I guess, but real heavy bits. Mm. So I think. I think Scar can be really exciting, but I think there's a lot of stuff that I get bored of. But I think at MPF we're trying to get the more exciting sort of stuff through, really. I recently discovered uh, Pizza Tramp at Rebellion. I've never seen it before. Yeah. <laughs> and they just turned up. And they, their drummer, I don't think, turned up no, or something. They just he was got, ill. <laughs> okay. And they just got, um, I think, Carl Rebellion. Alex out of Murderburg as well. well yeah, yeah, that was it. And they just fucking played it. And I loved it. And for me, that was punk rock, punk rock in a bottle of, fuck it, we're here, let's just, just do something. 
and they won me over and I understand that you've put you're putting out their new album yeah yeah it came out um, last Friday so how did you find out about Peter Tramp and then what is the process of signing a band um Someone sent me a link to Pizza Champ and said they sound a bit like Revenge. You'll probably like them. <laughs> and then I, I did rubbing like to your them. ego, go, mate. This is this is literally you in a bottle. <laughs> and then um, I bought their two um, their two EPs online, and uh, and then I was just looking out for them. And I think the first time I met them, they were playing with Revenge. Actually, just randomly, they they'd been booked to support us. Um, and yeah, we just got on really well straight away because. I guess it is similar sort of music, fast shouting yeah. music, and we just had a laugh on that night. It was really good fun. Signing a band's a weird one. I think sometimes me and Bev are watching the same band and we just look at each other and go, these are ace, let's do something with them. Um, sometimes I've seen a band on tour and it, I have to sort of say to Bev, like, they're, all their recordings are a bit rough around the edges at the moment, but they were amazing live, and then trying to get Bev to see them live so we can see if we want to work with them. I think the most difficult thing is who we don't do stuff with because we, there's so many bands we do stuff with if money yeah. was no object and time was no object. What happens when you approach a band and they just reject you? Is it like, fuck you? Um, it hasn't happened very often, to be honest. <laughs> but it has happened a couple of times recently. In I, I shouldn't name the bands, I don't think, because they haven't announced the stuff they're doing, but there's a nah, couple of em. bands. Um, well... Well, there's a band that we're really close mates with. We were absolutely brilliant. They were going to do something with us. Yeah. And then they got offered something much bigger. And we, and they were sort of like really, like, we're so sorry, we're so sorry. We were like, please take that. Oh, mate, you should have milked that to fuck <laughs> up. So we, we know we're not the biggest label in the world. If someone gets offered something amazing, hmm. we want them to take it. And if we're not right for someone, it's fine as well, you know. It's not... They're not, not blacklisted from MPF. No, either. that's it. We, we've not got ideas <laughs> yeah. above our station whatsoever. And, you know, a lot of bands we really like approach us. And if you say no, you sometimes think they think you're not, you think they're not very good. And mm. it's sometimes the exact opposite. It's just we're not in a position to do anything financially or time-wise. Or occasionally there's a band we really like approaches us, but you just think they would do better on a different label. Yeah. We probably go and speak to these people because that's more their crowd they'll sell you more stuff in a world where music is available everywhere a record label shouldn't really be a thing anymore yeah. but yet I, I think there's kind of a bit of a boom with indie labels at this point in time I think so yeah why? why why are we still obsessed with labels why do we still feel we need a label I think um, there's enough education throughout the scene that people realise that if you just download everything for free it's hard for bands to exist I think a label is a sort of central point where you know there's going to be a lot of bands that you might like who maybe don't sound exactly the same but maybe work in similar ways, have a similar ethos. Um, so I think it's a way to get a physical product, to know you're supporting the bands, to know you're bringing a community together. I think, um, I think in general people want a product, don't they? I think it's yeah. nice. to If you get into obscure music, I think... You're the sort of person who wants to hear every little bit of it, aren't you? You, you sort of obsess about it. So for me, I just I'm, as soon as I've got a bit of spare cash, all I want to do is buy some records, so or beer, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> um, so I think that's why labels work. I think there's a lot of people who've got that attitude. They think, right, I want a physical thing, I want a collection, and I want to know I'm supporting 
this sort of independent thing that is my social life to be yeah. fair you know I like what do I do when I've got free time I go to gigs I go and see small bands in small basement bars and I know from first hand experience how difficult it is to make that work um, so I know every time I buy a record every time I buy a t-shirt you're putting some fuel in someone's van and I think a lot of people realise that because the scene's quite transparent and people talk about it I mean how far do you think we are away until actually a brewery becomes a a, uh, a record label I mean like Brewdog probably on that far away of trying to get into that scene yeah I think it'll definitely happen won't it yeah because I mean well actually if you look at wider society there's a big push on collectives and cooperatives and and local produce and and I think that is probably helping with independent music as well isn't it support your local like the big push on supporting local venues as well like that can only help can't it yeah <laughs> I, th- I think people as well especially alternative people you want to s- what am I giving my money to <laughs> that's kind of why I go to FC United you know I think well I'm giving my money to something that's actually putting something back here <laughs> yeah ethics clearly plays a huge part in in what you do so with that in mind with Manchester Punk Festival getting bigger each year have you found it harder to keep that kind of ethical kind of dotted line that you've set for yourself I think we're alright at the moment but I think you know that there's going to be some tricky decisions I mean you also whenever you go down this route you know in some ways you're making life harder for yourself because you're not going to take sponsorship and you know, you're going to have to fight for every ticket sale. But yeah. I think at the level we're at, we've had some lucky breaks with some fairly big bands wanting to do it. I think as time goes on, you know, you're going to have to look at bigger fees. And that doesn't always sit especially comfortably, but it's, it's all about a balance, isn't it? And it's all with a collective, you keep each other grounded because you can sit down and go, right, how does this fit in with what we set out to do? Are we sticking to our original ethos? Are we making a decision here that doesn't fit in with what we said we were going to do and I think it's it's always fueled by that discussion and I think that's really important this is such a difficult question it's like to asking people what does punk mean to you stupid question but I'm still going to ask you kind of the same question I mean what is a punk ethos for you then like I think um, the idea of you can do things yourself if you look at the skill set of people in the punk scene you've got people who can do all sorts why why do you need to go to someone who's profiteering when it's the thing that binds your community together it binds your friend group together why don't we just do it ourselves but I think also a fair deal for everyone I think you see in wider society there isn't a fair deal for everyone and you think well this this is a, a space where we can have a better deal for everyone we can look after everyone we can try and help each other out I think that is the punk ethos for me yeah um, but it's broader than that probably and it probably means a lot of different things to a lot of different people yeah. as well doesn't it it is a ridiculous question and <laughs> instantly when I said it it was like yeah it's a ridiculous question it is, it's, it's like everything is it every sort of thing that people hold dear is not going to be exactly the same as the person who you're saying yeah to. totally but people want different things from MPF as well I think I guess when you think about decisions you're going to have to make with MPF do I have to love every single band I think it's important that someone in the collective likes the band but if loads of our crowd want a band, 
and I don't listen to them, is that massively a problem as long as someone in the, else in the collective likes it? Whereas with TNS, if I didn't like a band, well, you wouldn't really have much integrity if you, delete, if you went and released something for them, would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas with MPF, I think because it's a wider group of people, as long as someone else is into them and as long as the audience wants them, doesn't necessarily matter if they're not my favourite band in the world as long as I get some of the bands that I love on as well. So how do you remove yourself from the criticism? Because obviously you put out the lineup, and social media is a horrible fucking place but it's a necessary evil. How, are you okay with removing yourself from the... Like if you get like a lot of shit because they don't feel the lineup is as great as, I don't know, two years ago, three years ago? Um, most of the time I can laugh at it. <laughs> but... It's hard because you know you've tried your best. And you, you sometimes look at things people are saying online, you think, well, that's not actually true. And you're sitting there thinking, I'm just going to comment and explain that it's not true. And then I'm not saying I never do that. I do it occasionally. But then I think, I can't do that to every single person when I've got to do... Your life. Yeah, everything else, <laughs> yeah. But it, if, it's so, if it's something I feel like it's important, it's in the public domain and... I sometimes throw it out there. If someone's just criticising the lineup, you know, we don't expect you to come. Sorry. <laughs> we tried our best. If yeah. you don't like it, you don't like it. The, the funny one you get is that a lot of bands ask to play and then all of a sudden they're criticising you or the lineup and you think, you were asking to play him six months ago. <laughs> Why do you want to play if, him, if you don't like it? Yeah. That seems to be the way society is at the moment. I can't get what I want, so therefore I'm going to shit on it. Yeah. Which is a shame. But I think in general, it's difficult to um, remove yourself from the negative stuff because you put so much time and effort into it. But on the whole, it is a, a small amount of people who are negative about it. In general, people are really encouraging, really grateful, and come and enjoy themselves and make it worth your while. So I think it, it's very easy to focus on a handful of negative comments when... You know, really, you should be focusing on the fact that the thing exists and people are coming and having a good time. Yeah, I mean... So I just try to do that. <laughs> the fact you, you've established a festival that's gone for five years, where there's other festivals that just do it one year and just fucking die, that's something I think anyone should be proud of, no matter the lineup. Like, anyone who does any form of anything, if it, if it lasts, it has longevity, fucking round of applause, mate. Like, well done. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you can beat yourself up and you can run yourself down trying to think well what could I do different how could I change it what if this person doesn't like this but as long as you stick to what you wanted to do in the first place try your best are totally open to criticism which we are you know we put a survey out and say what have we done wrong what have we done right what would you change and of course in those surveys you get some nice comments but because you've asked the question people are going to pick up on things aren't they and you just have to go right okay let's have a look at that let's have a look at that let's reassess ourselves and I think as long as you do that don't take it to heart too much you're in a good position so thinking of that kind of self-criticism or being critical over the five years what do you think has been the the, the main thing that you've learned from year one to now (sighs) so much because because as with everything we've just sort of gone into it and thought let's have a go yeah see how it happens and then you see stuff every year and you're like that's got to change next year that's got to change next year I mean the queues for Propaganda last year were unavoidable because we didn't have the option of another venue but you did feel bad for people who didn't get in yeah I think um, it was important that we we got a slightly bigger venue even though for me I quite liked having the, the biggest venue as 600 cap but we've got an 800 cap venue now just to alleviate that problem 
I think there's tiny things all over that we obsess about and spend ages on. You just learn all the time and you know it's not perfect, so you know you've just got to keep learning. And, yeah. and that's probably what pushes you on, really, isn't it? You, just knowing that you can make it better and better and better if you keep trying. So with your promoter and organising hat on, for me, there's three main punk pop punk festivals and that's Manchester Rebellion and Slam Dunk now yeah with Rebellion and Slam Dunk what do you like and what would you change um, Rebellion I have been a lot of times and I've played a lot of times Rebellion has really in recent years tried to get some new bands in tried to get some more American bands in tried to get some younger bands in um, and I think that's good because I think it was getting to a point where it, it was a little bit predictable. I think people say Rebellion has the same bands every year. They're going to have to an extent because they get have 300 plus bands, don't they? The amount of people who must apply to play Rebellion as well, I think they're doing a pretty good job to you know, have a good balance. I think Rebellion's always been good in terms of diversity in, in the bands as well. Yeah. A lot of different sounds, a lot of different people from different places playing there's always been a lot of women represented by rebellion i think which is important obviously so i think a lot of people criticize rebellion and i'm not saying it's perfect but it actually does a lot of very very positive things i've never been to slam dunk okay yeah And and they do have bands on that i like but there's a lot of stuff i'm not that bothered about and it falls the same weekend as strummer camp um so we've got really close friends who run strummer camp so I always just go to Strummer Camp, so I couldn't comment on Slam Dunk, really. Um, I don't know. I mean, this year is like a 16-year-old wet dream for me, with like no effects, bad religion, like all those kind of bands. I mean, I love all those bands. I've seen them all a lot of times as well, but, you know, Strummer Camp is just like a really nice, small event that I've always enjoyed. I think I'll probably give Slam Dunk a go if Strummer Camp doesn't happen one year. So Strummer Camp, am I right that that comes from a charity? It no, it, that's Strummerville. Oh, okay. Um, so it is a similar thing, though, but it's not from a charity. It's based on a load of Clash fans who wanted to do something, um, and they set up their own festival. And then um, we've, we've had a stage there for years, um, TNS have, and um, to be honest, without that, MPF wouldn't have started. Um, Tree from Anarchistic Undertones, um, well, the Tree, Tom and Danny, they were involved in Strummer Camp as well. Um, they're not at the moment. But I think all of us learnt a lot from being involved in a, a small festival like that. And um, in terms of capacity, MPF's bigger now. Yeah. But we're not camping there three days on a field. Oh, is it three days? Yeah. Okay. Where's that base? It's Oldham, so it's not far from here. Okay, well, if you're not going to Slam Dunk, how about you go to um, Strummer, Strummer yeah. Fest? Strummer Camp. Strummer Camp. Go my, to Strummer my Camp. My birthday as well. Oh, well, and you can come <laughs> yeah, say happy birthday to Andy.
over eight venues in Manchester this yeah. year. How difficult is it to pick your venues? And like, are you going? That's too far away. That's that's not far enough. Like, how does it work? Yeah. Well, we had a venue called Sound Control, which had three floors, and it was perfect. It was next to Zombie Shack, next to um, um, what is now called Brickhouse Social. Um, three minutes walk from Gorilla and it was all a nice little compact area and now Zombie Shack is rubble soon to be um, not Zombie Shack sorry Sound Control is rubble and it, um, I imagine they've started putting um, student flats up that's what's going there so we had to move because of that yeah um, so the union is sort of 10 minutes walk away from there last year we felt like we had Gorilla Breadshed and Rebellion as the main venues and the, the walk between Rebellion and Breadshed was too much and that was reflected in the feedback we got. So we've added this new venue, the Union, and we're just using Rebellion for after shows now, which is a shame because it's a brilliant venue, but that's really come about from it being just that little bit too far away. Yeah. Um, I think it works for an after show because you don't want people trying to go between the after shows really. You want people to sort of pick their after show and stay there. Um, so it's still being used and I think hopefully they'll still get a lot of business from it it's a shame but I think we had to address that and because we needed a bigger venue and the bigger venues right near Breadshed it's sort of the decision was made for us really I'm well looking forward to the Alpine Trio cover band I'm telling you <laughs> um, you, you said recently in a in the Shout Louder zine by the way fantastic zine pick them up yeah. um, that you said I'm going to read it off my uh, iPad um, we have to work for every ticket sale in the same way that TNS has to work for every record sale. It's going to be a collective effort with everyone feeling involved and part of it. Um, it seems very easy to sit around in a pub and sell 500 tickets with the right lineup, but it's not that easy. Uh, you've got to be creative with the way that you advertise. What do you mean by creative? I mean, well, we've not got a massive advertising budget, and we have tried putting adverts in bigger magazines, but. In terms of the cost and compared to our budget, because we want to keep it as cheap as possible, we haven't got that budget. We, so in terms of being creative with advertising, you need people talking about it. Word of mouth cannot be understated. We've got a street team. Flyers are effective. <laughs> you can't do everything online. So get people giving out flyers at the right gigs in different places that you're not going to. Make sure the bands are carrying flyers. Just make sure you've got a distinct identity so that people talk about you and that word of mouth thing yeah. is, is very important I think um, but anything we can think of that is a novel way of promoting it like we did um, a few years ago we and that did a, a lineup announcement and we did um, dizzy penalties and um, announced bands after we'd fallen over and missed a penalty <laughs> so it's just silly things like that really things that people want to share and spread the word about what's the idea that you've come up with and gone actually we can't do that <laughs> Go on. We, we, we um, found out how much it costs to um, have a banner on the back of a plane going over when the derby was <laughs> And it wasn't as ridiculous as you might have thought. And we thought, if we do that, that will go absolutely viral. Everyone will share it. But it was, it was too much. <laughs> what was on the banner? Were you going to have? We were just going to put... Um, I don't know. We never got that far because uh, the prize was something about Manchester Punk Festival because it would be on telly while City United were playing. You could have had... Um, Manchester dash United at Manchester Punk Festival. Yeah, see. have that for free next year. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I don't know if you've spoken about this before, and I don't know if you've put out a social media post. Dead to me, what happened? Um, I don't actually know because I didn't book them. I think okay. it was something to do with work commitments and they yeah. had to rearrange the tour. And how annoying is that? Because obviously you power a post. Like you power the lineup, they were on there, and then you had to re- repost them. Yeah, I mean... It's frustrating, isn't it? I mean, we didn't have anyone asking for a refund, so yeah. so that's good. It's always a danger, isn't it? Especially with a festival with the sort of budget we've got. If a big band pulls out last minute, that might be the reason a lot of people are going. And it's going to be difficult to replace them, and we can't just throw a load of money at it. Yeah. And you worry about that. When you talk about the sort of things you worry about, that's the sort of thing I worry about. I also worry about, you announce the dates, three months later, no effects or bad religion get announced to uh, Manchester Academy or the Ritz on the same night. And you're like, right, that's 100 tickets gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard, I don't know. I don't know if there's ever a way around it, really. You've just got to keep your fingers crossed and, and try and make sure the lineup's strong enough that if you do lose a big band's, people will still think well I'm still going to go yeah I mean with, with that in mind then with, with the Manchester um, is it is still the O2 is that what it's called yeah the Ritz the, yeah. the Ritz like how hard is that with trying to put on a show like like you said if no effects does come on or has that happened has there like been a bigger we, band whereabouts you've gone like you well Menzingers you. Okay. Did, that clashed but because Kieran has done stuff with Menzingers in the past he sort of had said like it's not a great clash for either party this and they were able to sort of rearrange dates so they just swapped it to a different night which was absolutely lovely of them yeah um, but it makes sense for everyone because they don't want to lose people off their turnout either yeah. do they and I think because they'd been playing smaller gigs until relatively recently I mean I don't know them personally Kieran knows them but they they were dead accommodating of that so with that in mind then who was your pick for the festival this year like who's the band that you should everyone should be checking out um, well bigger bands I'm blown away we've got Sam I Am uh, I can't believe we've got that smaller bands um, it'd be very easy for me to just big up TNS bands um, there's lots of good TNS bands playing but I'll try not to do that <laughs> because you can just go on the TNS site um, Shiza Manelli, I've been trying to get over for ages. I'm pretty excited we got them. Youth Avoiders, they're amazing. It's a band called Screech Bats. I saw they supported Revenge. Um, they were really good. It's their last gig, so it's the last opportunity oh, nice. people get to see them. So they're they're really cool. And people should check them out. Um, there's there's just loads, you know. <laughs> it's really hard. I was looking at a Clash Finder, and I've organised it, and there's bands clashing, and I want to see both those bands, <laughs> <laughs> which is. I think that's the strength and weakness of MPF really we've got a really diverse lineup, but we've really tried to unite a load of smaller scenes mm. and having success doing that has meant that things you didn't really see as a clash when we started are all of a sudden getting people go oh you can't clash them and they sound completely different but people want to see them both yeah I mean because that's always something that I when growing up I found that the, the punk scene was very much quite narrow like I like what I like I'm not going to change it but I feel that's changing now like people yeah. are very much more open minded to what the idea of punk is now or what sound you're going to allow yourself to be involved in um, and for me Manchester Punk Festival have like got that down to a T like you can come here and you can listen to a rockabilly band or you can listen to a hardcore band you can listen to a ska band reggae band folk punk punk oi whatever you want to listen to you yeah. can find it somewhere and that must be something that you, you 
I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth, but you must be proud of that. Yeah, totally am. I mean, me and Bev have always had really diverse taste within punk, and I think you can see that on the TNS roster. But everyone involved in MPF does as well. So, you know, there's most of those genres, there's someone on the collective who's obsessed with that genre. So it's kind of it's kind of really organic how it happens. There's a couple of things that we've sort of dug around a bit or asked people who know a bit better than us about them but in general we feel like we've got such a, an eclectic mix of tastes that we're just pulling in bands from all over the place and all different sounds and yeah that's that's really exciting we so, try to do the band camp samplers as well just so people can hear this what a mix there is most of the bands we've ever had on have got a track on one of the samplers um, there's a handful who couldn't because of labels and things like that but in general I would say probably 85% of the bands we've ever played have got a track on the samplers So this year, you've got punks in pubs uh, at Manchester Punk Festival. So thank you for uh, no allowing us to do that. Podcasts, how, how much have they played a part, do you think, in like the punk scene in general? I think they're really important, aren't they? I think it's the same as everything we talk about with them, the DIY spirit of it. It's, you know, especially with things like Radio One Punk Show disappearing, I think podcasts are even more important. Yeah, definitely, they? yeah. Um, because of my, like, my job, I can't listen to as many as I want to because I can't put them on when I'm teaching a class. But I know like some of the other guys just listen to them constantly while they're at work. But every time I listen to a podcast, I find a new band I like every single time. And, um, and I also think about something that I'm, perhaps I haven't thought about before, a discussion that comes up on a podcast. I think it's just nice to hear different viewpoints, isn't it? And different bands and, and that's amazing <laughs> I mean that's the point of a podcast for me is it's just hearing another person talk about their story like, yeah. when I when I was doing documentaries something I loved about the idea of documentaries is that everyone's got a story you just need to find it and that's yeah. what I like about a podcast that you just need to find that what it is their story is and then just kind of unravel that and then you've got a great great yeah, podcast that's cool yeah that's a great way to think about it. I guess fanzines are the same aren't it they it is yeah and I think the other thing with podcasts is I remember when we did get played on Six Music um, Nick Fountain said um, it was hard to find a track that didn't have any swearing on put what you want on a podcast in, ge- in general can't you you can you can say cunt you can say <laughs> fuck you can say all the things that you want to say and those things shouldn't cunt be and fuck the was the first thing I could think of <laughs> Minch how about that one that's another one you've also put on comedy for last yeah. year for the first time why have you decided to make comedy and punk because comedy for me is another passion of mine and well we were approached by a red who does dead cat comedy so we were invited along to their night and um it was really good and it had it had that independent feeling about it and 
the sort of camaraderie of like, the acts together as well. They obviously all knew each other, did the same circuit. So we thought, why not give it a go? And last year, loads of people were saying it was amazing. Hmm. Charles from last year said it was better than expected. <laughs> we put that on there. <laughs> Five <poster>. stars. <laughs> um, so, yeah, last year it went down really well. So we thought, well, let's expand it, have it all three days. And then um, there was a poet on them as well. And then someone approached us about doing some poetry. So we thought, well, the poet went down really well last year, Fit Richard, so why not give people something else? I think the more you can do to add different things that aren't just about the music, the better, really. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason we wanted to add the podcast and the film stage and comedy and poetry. It's all something a bit different, isn't it? Maybe, I don't know, when I go to Rebellion, I sometimes, by the end of the fourth day, I think I don't actually want to watch any more music. I don't actually know if I like punk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you just go home in silence. Yeah. And um, it's just nice to have a bit of variety, isn't it? Something else people can do. I think that's good. I think it adds to the whole vibe and atmosphere of the festival. Definitely. And I think like in a punk rock setting, I don't think there's anything more punk than a comedian who does not give a fuck no. and is like willing just to fucking lay waste to anyone who's in front of them. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I, yeah. Well, Red's really tried to get comedians who have, have sort of got some sort of root in alternative music or some connection, so oh, it should be good. We're coming up to an hour, literally 10 minutes from an hour. Um, so let's, let's sell some tickets. Uh, so why should someone who maybe might be on the fence come to this fantastic festival I think um, we've sort of covered how there's, there's a bit of something for everyone I think there's music that you're going to like but I think the atmosphere as well I think everyone I know who's, who's come for the first time has said they made so many friends there they had such a nice time they just met so many like minded people people have stayed in touch with and I've met so many friends there and I think you're going to get that friendly atmosphere as well as good music and it, it is a proper party like people go for it it goes off for loads of the bands it's a great atmosphere but all in a good spirit you know people look after each other I've hardly seen any trouble there I think it's just for me it's doing what we set out to do a friendly forward thinking fun and exciting festival and if, if I do say so myself <laughs> and if you need somewhere to stay Andy's got a bath <laughs> that's it thank you Andy man no, thank, thank you, time, you. Dude. Really and, nice uh, yeah I'll see you in a couple of days yeah cool thank yeah. you for taking the time to talk to me if you like what you heard about the festival make sure you head over to manchesterpunkfestival.co.uk and pick up some tickets and then you can pop along and watch me on the stage at the font uh, on saturday from 1 30 p.m and then back again at 3 20 p.m Uh, 
all the music that was played out in this episode are bands playing at this year's festival. Uh, they went as such, so the Mighty Snuff uh, kicked us off before we started chatting. Following that was Folk's Worst Nightmare, then it was King Prawn, and then Throwing Stuff, then a great band called Dog Hand String Band, and Authority Zero ended the interview. If you want to hear more from the bands playing at this year's Manchester Punk Festival or MPF, head over to the MPF Bandcamp website, and they've got downloads for you to uh, stream and listen to. Uh, these guys are not playing at the festival, but they might be next year. They're called Season Neptune, and they're from Liverpool. So if they are playing in your area, make sure you check them out and go and watch. This track is called Red Letters. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see some of you on Saturday at the festival. Uh, in fact, actually, I will be at Manchester Punk Festival for the whole weekend, so if you see us, please say hello. If you're not going to Manchester Punk Festival, but you are going to a show... As always, if you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up. Until next episode, bye-bye. Don't you go, oh, I can wait, yeah. Oh, the guilt to drop on my shoulders. Let's obey, yeah, call on mistake, yeah. Sound sleep, it's not a little colder. Hell is not just for heroes. Reparations count for nothing. I'm not so high and mighty But the directs of how to live Feel the cold, oh, Mr. A.M. And the bloody night in your stomach Reasons radiant, drip down your name Submit yourself to this train wreck I'm making strides This mountain template's heaving This paranoia comes and goes Just stop with believing This winter season comes and goes